Just as murder hornets started to infiltrate the Pacific Northwest, buzzing cicadas emerged from a 17-year nap to spread across the eastern United States. All the while, a swarm of bumblebees has been perfecting ways to biohack their own resources, plants. You may think you're living in some alternative apocalyptic universe, but fittingly enough, it's just the summer of 2020. As bees beat the system and cicadas cracked a new code, scientists have discovered new ways the creatures of spring hacked their ecosystem in fascinating style. Welcome to the Abstract Podcast from Inverse. I'm Tanya Bustos, your host. Our first story is about the arrival of Brood 9 and why 2020's cicada visit is different. Springing to life from the ground after 17 years, the latest batch brings multiple species to the big event, leaving scientists buzzing about an evolutionary phenomenon that's emerged with the fleeting life of Brood 9. Our second story takes a closer look at the bumblebees who, like Brood 9, are forced to adapt their behavior to an ever-changing climate. Faced with a bleak future and a scarcity of pollen, these bees are making their own luck, turning flower-making on its head and drastically influencing our natural resources. This is The Abstract, a look at the latest scientific discoveries and technology innovations from the reporters at Inverse. In each episode, we explore a single theme through two different stories. Up now, the buzz on Brood 9 and why the 2020 cicada visit will be different than past arrivals. a nice soothing ring to it doesn't it that sound was hey knock it off that sound was 17 years in the making there are more than 190 species and subspecies of cicada in north america alone some show up every year but the ones that hog all the fascination have a unique life cycle of 13 and 17 years They stay underground for their namesake time period and when they emerge as nymphs that's what we technically call immature cicadas They get just a few weeks to lay as many eggs as possible before adulthood, hoping their kids can survive and go on to live their own underground life for the following 13 or 17 years. And that's it. That's life for a cicada. It's a real strength in numbers kind of move. Cicadas make a nice dinner for plenty of predators, including birds, rodents, fish, insects, and arachnids. In a news release, Gene Kritsky, Dean of Behavioral and Natural Sciences at Mount St. Joseph University in Cincinnati, explains more. They survive by their numbers. They're defenseless. They don't bite or sting or really bother a person. But any predator that comes along, there's no trying to escape. They're just eaten. But in such numbers, they're eaten to a saturation point. So all the predators don't have anything to do except eat them and then give up. There's still remaining great, great numbers of cicadas to survive. Last joining us in 2003, this year's batch, Brood 9, is finally having its moment. And true to 2020's form, things have shifted from the norm, with multiple species part of the big event. Here with more on what Brood 9 is up to this summer is Inverse's Nina Pulano. Hey, Nina, welcome back. Thanks, Tanya. How are you? Good. So, you know, as you know, 2020 hasn't been weird enough. Let's bring in this new batch of cicadas. Um, Scientists are particularly interested in these. What's different about Brood 9? Yeah, so Brood 9 is a batch of 17-year cicadas, and they're really interesting because they're kind of nestled in between a few other 
uh, groups of cicadas. Each of these broods are um, geographically distinct, so they don't really tend to overlap. But this year touches on a few other broods, including brood 10, which is just a massive um, group of cicadas all around the eastern part of the United States. Again, weird times. Will this COVID-19 pandemic change anything for for these brood nine or brood 10 cicadas? Yeah, so this year does seem a little bit different, especially for researchers. Uh, This is usually the kind of event that a lot of entomologists and people who are really interested in cicadas would want to kind of see this brood emerge. It's pretty weird. There's some cool videos of what that looks like. Um, And this year with so few people being able to travel, Um, They're really relying on a lot of citizen science. So some researchers have even developed an app that um, people can log when they see cicadas emerging to help them track and map out um, where this is happening, since a lot of researchers can't get there themselves. Just thinking about this very specific life cycle, right? It's, It's a real survival of the fittest life for these bugs. It's an insane life cycle underground, 17 years, a few weeks into the world, and then you're out, you know? Speaking of on an evolutionary level, what is the deal with that? What does it mean to survive and do life for a cicada, you know? Yeah, it's really interesting. And I think a big strength in numbers is kind of what it comes down to here. These cicadas will only live as adults for about four to six weeks. And there are so many of them that the idea is they only have that limited amount of time to lay as many eggs as possible, make babies for the next life cycle, um, while they're also a really tasty treat for all kinds of animals like birds and reptiles and mammals. Um, So they're really just trying to make it to that next life cycle while also kind of um, being this nutritional spike in the ecosystem, which is a a big role that they fill too. Right, right. You know, uh, it's funny, some people call these locusts and, you know, nobody wants to hear that at this point. Uh, What's the scientific answer to that? Yeah, uh, true. This is is one that I think... um, bugs, a lot of researchers, because they are different species. Um, Locusts are technically a type of grasshopper um, and cicadas are in a totally different order. So it's a a very different group, although they're definitely, you know, they swarm uh, pretty impressively, both groups. So there's some similarities there. You hit upon brood 10 a bit earlier. When and where are we, can we expect those to pop up, that batch? Brew 10 is scheduled to come out next year in 2021, and they're known as the Great Eastern Brood, so they spread all over the eastern part of the the United States. But there are some kind of um, what researchers call stragglers, or you know, I might call you, we might call them an early bird. Some of Brew 10 is probably going to start emerging and is already starting to emerge this year too. So that's another way that people can help researchers track the cicadas by you know mapping wherever they are. If they see cicadas, they might actually not even be part of Brew 9. They may be next year's uh, batch. So look out or listen out for those. Nina, thanks so much. Thank you. Cicadas aren't the only bugs faced with a bleak future. As bee populations continue to struggle with a lack of pollen to go around, some have figured out a potential solution, biohacking. (laughs) 
Honeybees are an essential part of American food production, but now they are dying off at an alarming rate. Those black and yellow bugs that can be a stinging nuisance now have a nuisance of their own. Albert Einstein once said, if the bees disappeared off the face of the earth, man would only have four years left to live. They're spontaneously vanishing. The honey you slather on your morning toast is more expensive. They're going extinct. But honeybees are under threat from a number of different factors. There's a, a dead bumblebee there in this flower. We've been hearing for years now about how bees are striving to survive, facing an uncertain future with the epic threat of, oh, a lost habitat and a scarcity of pollen. Bees likely want nothing to hear about how rough 2020 has been on humans and the rest of the world. A June 2020 report in the journal Science, however, says some of them may have figured out a potential solution. It found that when pollen is hard to come by, bumblebees have been nibbling on the leaves of plants that aren't producing flowers, stimulating faster growth all the while. Scientists, for their part, weren't ever able to ignite blooms in the same way, suggesting bees have a unique ability to do so. And thus, it all comes down to the nibble. While the outlook for bees have been bleak for years, this new research adds some complexity to bee situation and perhaps a glimmer of hope by way of a simple act that's biohacking the system. Here with more is Inverse's Nina Polano. Hey, Nina. Hi, Tanya. So we've been hearing for a while about the growing threats to the bee population in general. There are even conspiracy theories out there that go around about this. But what are the biggest threats the bees are facing as far as the science actually goes? What conspired together to make this rough times for them? Yeah, we, we know there are a few things happening. Um, climate change is obviously threatening most life on Earth, but um, bee, bumblebees are having an especially hard time because of a few different factors. Pesticides that we use, uh, we know can damage bees' brains and, and make them behave uh, differently. Um, they're losing a lot of habitat, which is part of human agriculture and also, um, you know, could, could be linked to climate change. And there's some bee diseases that are causing them some trouble too. So it's really, uh, unfortunately, kind of a, a lineup of factors that are threatening bee populations. And it all comes down to this epic lack of pollen that they're now left with. But, you know, it's interesting that they figured out a way to kind of beat the system. I think this is so cool. Um, scientists found for the first time bees doing this behavior that they didn't know bumblebees could even do. What was happening was worker bees, when there wasn't enough pollen to go around, would actually nibble on the leaves of plants that weren't producing enough flowers. And that damages the plant in a really specific way that actually stimulates faster flower growth. So some of the plants bloomed up to a month earlier than they would have otherwise because of the way these bees were nibbling at the leaves. Speaks to how smart all of these creatures are in biology, but more so this is innate, right? Essentially, this is nature happening before our eyes. We're just hip to the fact now. For sure. The scientists basically witnessed this behavior while doing a totally unrelated experiment. And then they went out into nature to actually find the same thing happening. So they hadn't seen it before, but it seems like it's been happening all along. So they do what they do here to quote unquote biohack, right? But how effective is this method in helping the overall cause. I would gather it's a big mountain to climb solving this bee population problem, but at the very least, this seems to offer some legitimate hope for a better outcome. It definitely offers a little bit of hope. I think besides it just being a really cool behavior that works, something that's interesting to remember and kind of inspires hope is when the scientists went to try to mimic this same behavior in the lab, they used tools like forceps and razors to try to damage the plants and see if they could get the same 
result as the bees, they weren't able to do it because there's really something special and we don't know exactly what since this is all brand new science. There's something special that bees are clearly doing that has this effect of, as you know, hacking the plants. Right. And a lot of science tends to be these happy accidents. So I imagine um, in learning this, we can also learn a whole lot more as well. Absolutely. Very good. We will leave it at that. Nina Puanu, thanks so much. Thank you so much. Head to inverse.com to read more about how insects are debugging nature. You can click on the link in the show notes for all stories we talked about today. If you agree that science and facts matter more than ever, give us a rating and review on iTunes to help more people find The Abstract and other podcasts like it. New episodes of The Abstract are released three times a week. Find old episodes and more original reporting on science, innovation, culture, and entertainment at inverse.com. Look for The Abstract Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or whichever podcast app you use. For Inverse, I'm Tanya Bustos. Thanks for listening.